never believed it. I, I thought you were a myth. Well, I'm not. But I will tell you something that is. The belief that human beings are kind. No, Caesar. There are some. Oh, a handful, perhaps, but not most of them. Oh, they won't learn to be kind until we force them to. We can't do that until we are free. How do you propose to gain this freedom? By the only means left to us. Revolution. But it's doomed to failure. Perhaps. This time. And the next. Maybe. But you'll keep trying. You, above everyone else, should understand. We cannot be free until we have power. How else can we achieve it? You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. your host, D-Bert, a.k.a. the Afro Nerd, live and direct per usual. It's October 21st, 2018. And if you didn't think that it wasn't, that it wasn't the wintertime, you must think again. The captain and I we were out there trying to get some film for the audience, and we did. And we got some outside stuff, but the mics were a problem. The wind was blistering. Uh, I thought we looked good, <laughs> but I will probably put that up as fodder for Instagram. Again, we have a new IG account that we're playing around with. Definitely imbibe on Afro Nerd Radio via IG. Simply Instagram.com forward slash Afro Nerd underscore radio. Afro Nerd underscore radio. Again, I mean, this is this textbook filmmaking stuff, but, you know, if the wind isn't whipping, even with a, a mic that we're, the wearable mics, if it's not whipping, it's fine. But that, that's kind of you know amateurish stuff. I mean, we're still kind of going through it, but it was it's fun nevertheless. 
and we're finding out that content can still be used. So we, so we will use that content. But anyway, we didn't manage to rely on our friend, our friend at uh, Time Warp Comics in Hewlett, New York, Jeff. He helped us out, so we were back at the store again to give you our first impressions of, well, of Daredevil Season 3 and of Halloween, which should be interesting, and a few other things. So we're going to have that up shortly. Um, and also, just, just kind of just to play around a little bit, just my thoughts quickly before we get into this. The cold opening, which we've, we've used so many times, from Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, 1972 science fiction, probably one of the first prototypical franchise films. You know, we, th- we often talk about Star Wars, but really preceding it by a decade. Well, this particular film precedes it by five years, but by a decade from the first one in 68. You start to realize how much they would sneak in on a franchise film. You know, we, we, we think about how revolutionary in some regards uh, that Black Panther is, but that little sneaky conversation between Roddy McDowell and the African-American actor Harry Rhodes, where he says, you, of all people, should understand. So you have an anthropomorph- anthropomorphized simian telling a black man, yo, bro, <laughs> You should understand this. I never get tired of that intro. It's, it's pretty um, it's interesting. You know, Pierre Boulle's Monkey Planet, the French author, going back to the early 60s, you know, it was a French author. Then it was Rod Serling's um, screenwriting that translated his, his authorship to the silver screen. But it's funny how groundbreaking that stuff was back then. And how now we, we're kind of having what we perceive to be a renaissance. But I, I just find it interesting that they were able to have that conversation. And, and Monkey Planet was always an allegory about race anyway. All right. Okay, folks. Enough with me blathering. we got to get it in. Let's go to this herbal. This right here, this right here is funky. I'm just going to say it. We're going to have to let this thing ride all the way through. This is Hablet Brown. Hablet Brown. She said, full throttle. We'll be right back. Let's groove. Get up and 
settle, not while I'm with you And I can see your face, yeah, it ain't get better Not when I'm with you Said I don't want to waste any more of your time It's getting late, I should go now Baby, just give me time Ponke, Ponke, Hablet Brown. Damn. Yo, these gentlemen are of Caucasian descent. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just making note of it that, you know, you know, Eminem has that talent. Don't want to really want to give it up, but he can spit. Hablet Brown, I'm not sure if this group, it's a group. I think they're by way of UK. I might be wrong on that. Again, that particular cut is called She Said. But they were raised on Dilla, Jay Dilla, Detroit's Jay Dilla, but they came out from wherever they came from. I think, again, I think they're across the pond, possibly. But these gentlemen are of Caucasian extraction, and they are funky. I'm just saying, but hey, you know, you got little Wayne, and you know, you got you got some something going on anyway i think uh you know Nicki minaj I, I think i think she's funky maybe you know what let's just get to get to this captain my partner in white collar crime uh braving the frozen tundra which is new york city <laughs> sir let's just get to it right in the middle of bryant park chaos there we're going to beam you right down let's get to it sir captain Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. what they're going to tell us (laughs) or they may tell us you do the video the digital expose everything is digital these days and then we just ADR in everything that's what the experts would say no this is a gorilla though you understand maybe we do that later on but we're not doing that now so everyone else just shut up Let's get it started, sir. Yeah, you know what? Look, look. Some of this is going to be done guerrilla style. All right, folks, if you're paying attention to our YouTube channel, to our IG account, that's the way it goes down. Back to Hablet Brown. Damn it, he was funky. I'm just saying, I got to repeat this. What is going on with our people? Where these folks from across the pond can interpret Jay Diller and spit it right back out at you, and you come up with nonsense no groove no soul no funk no african tradition tradition no cornbread and greens 
This is from the Afro nerds. I know something. I know a little something about blackness. A little something. I may not be the uh, the Brownsville style black person, but I'm some kind of black person. I, I have some familiarity with the concept. Anyway, enough of me just blubbering. Um, the call-in number. You remember how to dial, right? 646-915-9620? 646-915-9620? Check it out. Call us up. Join in on the fun, the discourse, exchanging ideas, disagreeing, agreeing, gaining knowledge, all that stuff. You know, we, we do that here at Afro Nerd Radio. Let's get to the business at hand before the commercials start coming because they will be coming. And also we're, you know, definitely trying to make that transition from blog talk to our own streaming iteration at afroner.com. That would be a lot – a different affair, 24 hours. It's going to be a different thing, but that, that takes time. We all have outside gigs. There's a lot of things going on. Now with this social media immersion, and folks are starting to respond, Captain, saying, wow, you guys are all over the place. You know, it, if we went full throttle with AfroNerd, the AfroNerd machine, man, just what we did today was problematic. But again, working up that IG thing, and I, I'm just learning that this Instagram thing is, is its own animal. You know, and it's, it's good, and even our mistakes, which is some of what we, you know, look, we're still kind of going through the process. Even our mistakes are going to be put up on IG for, you know, for edification, for, our viewership, our listenership is an IGTV. I haven't really even experimented with, with IGTV. Um, so anyway, we have the Patreon account that we were that we were told, hey, you guys need to explore that. And uh, we would we appreciate folks ha- who have been contributing. But uh, again, you know, talking about all these different ways of of Afro Nerd Radio immersion, we have yet to get the Afro-Nerd After Dark on and popping. Imagine that going on among all these other things. So in order for that to go down and, you know, maybe going to different Comic-Cons and so forth, different conventions, patreon.com forward slash Afro-Nerd Radio. Again, patreon.com forward slash Afro-Nerd Radio. We're trying, people. It's not easy. You know, folks seem to have a problem. They, they think that I'm yelling people, I'm, you know, being rude by asking for assistance or my delivery is bad. I, I don't know. You know, I, <laughs> I know people insult black folk, even your own. Now it's cross, it's, it's always been cross-racial, but you have entertainment that insults you on a regular. We don't insult you. We just ask for some bread and you're not, ask, you're not nice enough. Now, T.I. will call you an N-word, not going back and forth with you folks and it's all love erecting trap museums we talked about museums that's all good i'm trying to give you afrofuturism but hey i'm the bad guy we're the bad people anyway patreon.com forward slash afro radio the ig account instagram.com forward slash afro nerd underscore radio afronerd.com writing myself as well as the great Daryl B., he's back into the fold. We can also uh, use some other writers if you have the skill set. So, you know, got to keep it straight. If you have the skill set, we're, we're open to receiving some writings 
that you feel would apply to an Afro nerd or a blurred centric site. Uh, and then the YouTube channel, the YouTube channel, just simply go to, or, you know, actually I think it's working now. Afro nerd, uh, Afro nerd.net, Afro nerd.net, I believe is actually functioning properly. If not, simply go to YouTube and uh, input Afro nerd radio and you will see us will be live and direct or recorded and direct via YouTube. All right. Um, Captain, let's just let's just get this get this going. Um, I see our friend Q Storm is waiting in advance. We'll bring him in in a second. So, uh, what shall we go to first? Do you want to talk about Halloween, Daredevil, Luke Cage? I think I think maybe Halloween might be. I may want to go in on that. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll let right. you take take the reins, sir. What say you about Halloween? Jamie Curtis is back. 2018, scary white man in a mask. Go ahead, sir. I'm, well, I'm so scared. I'm scared. Go ahead, sir. Well, first off, in 2018, this Halloween situation is not scary at all. It's not scary at all. It was wise by the producers to put this out. Wise by the entire production company because it's a it's a cash grab. It is a name, but far as the movie is concerned, no, no, we're not there anymore. You know, Afro and myself, we we were talking about. You open the newspaper, you watch world news. That's why sometimes they say you should not even pay attention to the news, but you have to know what's going on. And there's a multitude of videos on the internet that you could see where people are getting their heads chopped off and all types of things that are done to them, getting hit by cars, things that just look totally, you know, heinous, just, just, you know, out of the box. So we've become numb to a lot of this stuff. I've also spoken, <clears throat> excuse me, to people that were into filmmaking at, at different levels, some editors, some small-time producers, some independent guys that have money, and they say a movie like Exorcist, where it takes forever to happen, you build all this character development, wouldn't work today because the audience is different. Things need to happen within 15 minutes. We've been conditioned that way. Nothing happens within 15 minutes. And it's not the right kind of action. You're like, oh, it's too slow. Oh, it's too this. It's too that. Now, that being said, that was my preamble, my run-up. That being said, Jamie Lee Curtis, we all know who she is. I don't think that woman needs any uh, long-winded explanation. Maybe Afrona would like to do that because he's going to be a bit more bellacious in respect to this. And that's the right word when he breaks it down. I think Jamie Lee Curtis, she did what she had to do, you know. She could use the check. Always like Jamie Lee Curtis from the standpoint, not so much her acting. Her acting was on point, but not so much from that. It's how she always handled people that would interview her. She cursed these people out. She would say things like, a person who's been doing interviewing as long as you, couldn't you ask a more intelligent question than that? Oh, I loved it. 
was a love. I, I like that type of thing, you know. So I like her from that. That's really off screen. But you know, she does, she does okay work, you know. The problem here, they missed a lot of opportunities. They missed a lot of opportunities. I don't want to reveal, excuse me, reveal too much, but they missed a lot of opportunities with this. There's things they could have done a lot better. The script could have been a lot better. Where I could turn around and say, "Eh, I see what you're trying to do here. You're cash grabbing. You're bringing this back. It's, you know, where I would turn around and say, well, it was all right. But they missed it. They didn't quite understand it. And there's a lot of this going on in Hollywood. We don't really have to do it that well, I think. There's some of that going on. We'll get, we'll get by with it, you know. We'll get by with it. And it works. When they see the money coming, cha-ching, they say, okay, we were able to pull that off. You know, the writing wasn't that good. This was a little stupid. They cut out certain things in here that didn't make any sense, things that they should have shown a lot more of so you can have better continuity in this. They didn't do. It looks like at times they cut out a lot of parts. They said they shot it, and they said, we're just going to cut it. We're just going to cut it. All right? Edit here, edit here, edit here. You know? A lot of things they could have done a lot better. There's certain cachet things that come with the Halloween movie that you have to do. They did a little bit of it. You need to do more of it. So overall, should you run out and go see this? No. You can wait. So what? So what is it? It's supposed to be classical to a certain extent from a slasher standpoint. Oh, wait. Wait to Netflix or whatever streaming service you're you know, watching on. You'll eventually get there. Or you catch the bootleg DVD, someone in the street selling and say, hey, $2, $3, go check it out when they, you get a good copy. Other than that, that's all I have to say. I pass it over to the great Afro-Learn. All right, folks. Uh, our impressions of Halloween 2018. Again, this is the 11th iteration of this longstanding franchise. Uh, we're talking about a 40-year-old franchise, amazingly so, 40 years old. And it's, it, it wears thin. Uh, it, it, they just didn't update it to where I would have been impressed the what will be impressed who will be impressed will be the accountants because if you look at the metrics on this thing it costs 10 million dollars to make this film this is a blumhouse production not a dimension films production i'll, I'll talk about that in a minute but blumhouse as, I, as i've said repeatedly and i say i say this admiringly so that they've been able to flip a dollar quite nicely and half the time that they managed managed to produce product that that really is interesting if not engaging this was not one of, one of those projects we're already talking about the box office this weekend wow <laughs> typical blumhouse typical blumhouse move 10 to 15 million dollar budget 91 million dollars hmm. what am i going to say <laughs> see this, this is this is akin to what we spoke about the last time with the Venom thing with Sony. As much as we, those who are in the nerd culture, blurred culture, ha- take issue, take umbrage with Sony not really honoring the product the way we would want them to, the accountants are going to laugh in your face. And nothing has changed with this particular product. So, anyway... 
Dimension Films, normally the production house for the Halloween franchise, but just like what we spoke about with Marvel, how you know how we know many in, in the know are aware that Marvel, some of the Marvel properties, uh, as until as of late, actually, if let's say in the case of Daredevil or Ghost Rider, when they were under the tutelage of of Fox, if if they if Fox owns the property, or in this case, Dimension Films owned the property, and they didn't produce a film in X amount of time, usually it's like a three year, three or four year three or four year hold. If they don't make a film, then they could either lose the rights or the rights revert back to the original person, the original owner, that kind of thing. So they didn't make a film. Dimension didn't make didn't make a film. And then Blumhouse came to obtain the production. Blumhouse has it. We know what Blumhouse is able to do, but I would have wanted Blumhouse to really give it more of their kind of spin on it. I didn't really feel like they were putting in their personal affects, their personal beats. Anyway, um, we know this is a John Carpenter film originally. We know that uh, John, the great filmmaker John Carpenter uh, was a uh, fellow student of Jamie Lee Curtis at USC. So there's a little bit of what we expect. We expect people who um, know each other to work with each other. So it's interesting that for like a few shekels back in the late 70s, now we're 40 years later into this thing and multi-million dollar project, multi-million dollar property. Okay, so this is the deal. Just hard to look at it in a certain way. Like the whole frightening, like the, the slasher film genre really used to scare the hell out of, out of the viewer. As a Queens person, an a NYC person, there are probably countless tales of looking at what they used to call hard rocks. <laughs> now we call them thugs. Back in, the, back in the day, they were called hard rocks. And these are the type of guys that would steal your pumas from off your feet. They would steal your uh, the, what was then fashionable, the bomber jackets, the, 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 the dookie rope chains. You know, the, the 80s hip-hop fashion of that time. Those same guys that would be very threatening. I was able to avoid all that nonsense. But anyway, um, those same people you might, you might see running di- down the aisle of your local movie theater like a damsel in distress after having seen films like, you know, the, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, there were a lot of low-budget films like He Knows You're Alone. Uh, I think Tom, Tom Hanks, one of his early films was I Think He Knows You're Alone. And there's another film with the late uh, Denise Matthews, a.k.a. DBA, Vanity. She was in a film called Terror Train. So there were, there were a number of films that used animatronics, you know, it was, this is way before computers and CGI, and they did the work. They were truly frightening and extremely successful. Um, Sleepaway Camp is another one that had a shocker ending that no one saw coming. And uh, I don't know if they re- – I think they might have 
they might there might be a sequel to Sleepaway Camp. So anyway, there were a number of films, but Halloween was kind of at the top of the list coming out in '78. This time around, we like the captain said, you have the internet, you have live leak, you have world star hip hop, you have YouTube. I mean, too many things going on. I felt like I laughed. First of all, I laughed a number of times throughout what was supposed to be a horror movie. And it just fell flat. You got to get into the mind now in some way. But when you hear about the, the, the American journalist of Islamic descent, Khashoggi, who was killed in Turkey by who we, we're led to believe, um, the Saudis, and, and you, hear, you hear how he was dismembered while alive, that is far more frightening than anything that Michael Myers could come up with. You have white women, okay, I say this to be, fun, to be jocular, but you have white women calling or preventing Negroes from, who are allowed to carry firearms as police officers and can kill you in your own apartment. You have, again, some of these folks are, are threatening to call the police on nine-year-olds for non-existent groping. Dr. Hustable is giving out bad prescriptions in 2018. This is where we are right now. Michael Myers might as well run for president. <laughs> we might as well sit down and have a cup of coffee with this guy. He's not it. We have, we have gang bangers right here in New York where they're discovering, and this is you know, it's horrible, but this is the world we're living in, they're discovering the bodies of teenagers on top of each other in Long Island. Long Island, as they say, not that Long Island acts, doesn't rate. I opened the paper. I kid you not to listening audience. After I saw Halloween, I picked up the uh, New York Post. I turned the paper, turned the page, the front page, page number two or page number three. The first thing I see is a bloodied gentleman in Bryant Park who was attacked unprovoked by some person off of his meds. So you see a, this, the 60-year-old male. It's horrific. It's horrific. It's, it's, uh, I feel very sad for this victim. I think he's alive. But he was hit with a bicycle lock, unprovoked, didn't know it was coming, didn't know this person. Again, a person probably off of his meds. And you see him uh, in the center of Bryant Park, surrounded by police officers and, and concerned citizens. And he's a, he's a bloody mess. Michael Myers doesn't rate. Should you see it? I don't know. Wait for Netflix. That's it for me. Let's bring in the Mighty Q Storm, Red Shirts Podcast, folks. Check it out, Red Shirts Podcast. Heck, Red Shirts, I see, are even on Instagram. They have their own IG. So let's get it in. Q Storm. Hey. What do um, you do? Well, I just want to say, you know, I, uh, I'm a faithful listener to the show. I did not press run, but somehow uh, the, the voice cue said, you are now in the host queue. And I was like, well, okay, let me button up and make quiet everybody down in the background there. Okay. Oh, sorry, but maybe something – well, this is blog talk, man. We're, we're, you know, we're going to slowly exit ourselves from blog talk. So we didn't let you in. I mean, you, know, you have to do that. We can't do that. Must be some uh, malfunction. I, yeah. Oh, no, no big deal. Uh, I was going to call him when you got to Luke Cage. I have some opinions on that. But um yeah, you know, um 
I, 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 I get your point. I think it's a little tongue-in-cheek. You're saying that uh, Michael Myers or Jason or Freddie, they don't rate anymore. And I, <clears throat> I can understand where you're coming from. In regards to the movie itself, I did not see it. I probably won't see it for a couple of reasons. One, I do not really enjoy scary movies. I don't like being manipulated, and I don't like that feeling when something jumps out and the music gets really loud, that, that thing that happens in your blood. I, I hate that. But if it's a classic movie, I mean, I'm talking about the first Halloween, uh, the classic, classic Exorcist, uh, What Lies Beneath. If it's uh, the, the Conjuring, The Ring, if it's a well of the others, if it's a well-crafted horror film, I'll go see it. I don't believe in 2018 I'm getting a well-crafted horror film. The only well-crafted horror films I see in this era would be movies like The Road, or uh, movies where the stuff, and you said the stuff can actually happen. That That's the kind of movie I'll go see that's a horror film because it doesn't rely on jump scares, and it's truly terrifying. So, And by the way, the thing that happened in New York, I'm going to say it, that's why New York needs to relax their gun laws. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, look, I don't know about that. Because, look, they, they tell us that the crime statistics are akin to 1960, New York. So, you know, these incidental things, I mean, that's what happens, the travails of living in a major metropolitan city. But it doesn't make it any less comfortable. I mean, the fact that this, this person is just minding his own business, and next thing you know, you get hit upside the head repeatedly with a bicycle lock um, and then again, literally, after I saw the film, I opened up the paper. I see something that's grotesque and horrific, far more so than what we, what I just saw with Michael Myers. So, I mean, it's just, and even in the film, even in the film, there's a there's a part early early in the film where uh, a few of the characters, some of the teen characters. We're talking like Myers. I mean, he killed a couple of people. I mean, he doesn't really rate. I mean, even internally, maybe as a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, they were poking fun that this guy can only be so scary in today's in today's zeitgeist. Oh, I should say the current zeitgeist. That's very true. But look, I know this is not your topic. Don't spend a lot of time. I just have a quick question. I lived in the, in the greater New York area. I lived in New Jersey right on the Hudson River. For, from 97 to 2005, I still go up there at least once a month, twice a month maybe. Can you explain to me why even today New Yorkers still walk with their heads down to their phones? They still stand on the edge of subway platforms. They still don't look both ways before they cross the street. So that I would think if you're living in New York, you would know I need to look up and around because people, be, people are coming out at me with needles knives, and bicycle locks. I don't understand it, particularly the standing on the edge of the subway platform. They, what is that? Captain, didn't we have this conversation earlier today? I think when, when, when we first got in the car and we're like, getting ready to start setting up for some, some filming, didn't I say that? I said something to the effect of what's up with people not being vigilant. We had this very conversation as we were rolling around. Cap? That is correct, sir. That is definitely correct. They're calling the Matrix. <laughs> their phones is a lot more important than their life. 
Well, it. well, look, listen, um, Q, unfortunately, this is something that's in my brain consistently. I'm, I'm constantly, even in business, when you're dealing with someone on the phone and you're dealing with like customer service, and before you get to the person you need to speak to, you have to go through a litany of robotic voices, you know, um, if, if it's not a real person that's a robot, it's a robot. I just think these people are just caught up, like he said, like the cab said, they're literally caught up in a type of matrix, and they're not vigilant, they're not thinking, and I just can't conduct my life that way. I, I'm, so, I'm so hyper on seeing things that I perceive to be avoidable. Like, I just don't believe that life has to necessarily be this difficult, if only for not being somewhat aware. But not everybody is aware. This is something that we try to do on the show. And I don't want to come off like I'm a cornball, but I am a bit obsessed. And I guess the audience can kind of tell. I'm a bit obsessed with our own people. We're just tweaking some things. I'm not even asking for full throttle improvement because I know that's not realistic. We're just trying to raise the consciousness, raise the frequency a little. You know, uh, I think I was listening to O'Shea, G- O'Shea Duke Jackson, and he has a different operation than what we have. Uh, I'm going to try to reach out to this gentleman, even though some may say, well, he's a little more visceral than yours truly. But I appreciate what he brings to the game because he says it in a very, very hard-line, visceral, comedic way. He, he tells black folks, listen, you need to wake up. Spike Lee said this 30 years ago. Wake up. I mean, you're really saying this cross-racially because it's really not about just black people in New York. But I'm saying for black people specifically, we seem not to be able to kind of see the writing on the wall. We have to be beaten up literally, figuratively, around, you know, just tweaking things, opening, opening up your eyes, taking your phone. Like, I will never walk around, Q. You will never see me walk around in, in, the, in a city setting with my earbuds. Not going to do it. Now, I might do it if I'm doing something, you know, something that's more, uh, you know, corporate. I'm in by myself. I'm, you know, I'm at home. I'm, that kind of thing I will do. But, like, walking around in a busy street, like, to have that kind of trust <laughs> that someone's not going to knock me off my ass, yeah. it's crazy. It's it was crazy. What was it, earlier this year uh, or late last year, there was a woman, I think it was a woman of color down to the manners, but she was standing away from the platform against the wall, but she was still on her phone. Her baby's carriage rolled into the track. Yeah. Remember that story? Yeah, it's crazy. Rolled into yeah, the track, I mean, and a stranger, a stranger jumped down and got the baby out. Amazingly, the baby was not hurt. Let me tell you how I get down. It's not, it's not, it's not major. It's not major story or anything. But uh, because I stopped driving into the New York Comic Con because I got, I got a ticket over some BS it was like I had to pay 150 bucks before I even sit in, set foot on um, Jacob ja- in the J- Jacob Javits Center for some nonsense, some made up stuff that New York, New York, New York cops. I appreciate the police on some level, but but we also know that there's chicanery going on with some of this stuff. Money grabs, money grab city is another name for New York City in my book. Anyway, I stopped driving in, so now I take the Long Island Railroad, and like you said. I'm looking at people, I'm square in the center of the platform, and I'm constantly doing 360-degree spins, full spins. 
not 180, 360, full, full around spinning in the center of the platform. And I see people just standing over the edge, and I'm like, what's wrong with these people? It's got to be an IQ thing. It's got to be. Because I'm, I'm looking for the killer constantly when I'm walking around. Like, I'm saying to myself, you're not going to get me. It's not going to happen. I'm looking around. I, I expect a bike lock to come toward me. So I got to be prepared. I might have my keys between my hands. I will gouge out your eyes. Do not mess with me. That's how, the oracle thinks this way. As a mature man, he taught me that. So that's how I get down. I'm ready for some nonsense. I'm ready for you. The one. It's not, not going to go well for you. I might, get, I might be ready to have a bottle of poison in my, in my uh, a spray poison for those eyes if you mess with me. I'm almost at that point, so I'm Bruce Wayne-ish. So I'm just, that's, that's how your boy thinks. I don't get down like these people uh, that are zombies. Anyway, I kid you not on that, by the way. Don't, don't be funny with me. <laughs> uh, let's, let's go to a groove. I see we have uh, more callers. I think this might be the counselor. I'm not sure. B, uh, BS, I think. Um, we're going get to get to the caller 510 in, in, a, in a few shakes. Um, let's go to a groove, like I said. Uh, like two minutes, and we'll talk about Luke Cage. This is unsettling. I didn't really like that uh, Iron Fist was gone, although, you know, I only lamented a little. <laughs> not much. But Luke Cage? Nah. <laughs> I'm not feeling that. All right. This is Topaz Jones, Toothache, Two Minutes. We'll get back to the discourse. Let's groove. Acres go. I bet I burned out about an ace ago. She said you better stay away if you pay below. It's a birthday, she looking for the cake. Slow down.
street. Hands high in the picker, I ride with my niggas. One more you in the front seat. Back on floor, can't take them anywhere we go. Hey, cool, but get your hands off my hand. I'm chillin' with them collagen's, kiss me the collagen. I see you modeling at least, get some collagen. I mean, at least get your GD. The flow sticks, I'm a police call the CDC. TBT, they ain't see me as a threat. Look, now I'm hitting triple double like I'm Russell Westbrook. It gets shook when they hit OA, I'm coming now. Hold the summer down. All right, we're back. You know, I thought we could get away without the N-word, but hey, you know. <laughs> it's still funky as all get out. I'm trying, people. I'm trying to dig up this stuff, but even the ones that I like, they got to they gotta take it back to Plantation Olympics, take it back to the minstrels. But I still like the song. Topaz Jones, Toothache, new spin on an old groove, certainly. All right, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Let's move to the next topic, actually. I think we should talk Luke Cage. I'm uh, troubled, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to bring in, actually, 510-510. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? Hey there. This is uh, Cthulhu's Prodigy, big-time supporter and fan. I've been following you guys for a while. I'm on the yeah, I'm even on Patreon. So y'all, y'all. Once I saw the Instagram, I was like, okay, y'all doing big things. I need to get up on here and support. So, thank you, brother. Thank you. Um, thank appreciate you. it. No problem. Um, I'm distraught by this Luke Cage news. To be very honest with y'all, um, I don't know a single person on the planet that thinks that uh, Jessica Jones season two was better than Luke Cage season one mm. or two, <laughs> if, if we're keeping it real. But I also think that this may be a long-term strategy for Disney's streaming service on a go-forward basis um, to compete with go. Netflix because Netflix is really, really owning that space, and obviously Disney wants it uh, from a money grab standpoint. I'm curious about you guys' thoughts on that. And I, before you go, I just want to also say that we need to hear this, not only Afro Nerd After Dark, but I need the Afro Nerd Groove Channel. That's what mm. needs to happen. Well, uh, your, your, you know, your, your, um, your thoughts are not going unheard, trust me. And, I, and we are going to work on something. We're working on something now to make that transition off of Blog Talk where uh, – there is programming afoot that will allow the listener to, to kind of go to AfroNerd this time and to have like a, a 24-hour streaming service where, where we'll, we'll be able to load up the cuts that we would normally play all the way through. And then we come in when we come in. But like all the way through, mm-hmm. like it's, that's something that we're working on right now, which would be far superior to, what, to where we are now. But look, you got to crawl before you walk and before you run. So uh, trust me. I'm as frustrated as, as, as you are with where we would really like to go. So trust me, uh, again, I love what you said. I love the support, and we're working on that. There's little things going on right now. So, yeah, it's going to go down that way. You know, we've got to make it happen because the frustration with what I hear, no, no shade towards the Charlemagnes and the, the uh, Angela Yees and, and even my <laughs> – even my, my, well, no, i gotta say, I got to speak the way i got to speak. Um, even my uh, fellow Hamptonian, you know, uh, DJ Envy, you know, they 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 kind of locked into a certain space. The, the, all those cats are over forty, and you know, 
you you can't even be real at that point now. Now you have to kind of appeal to the kids, and now nah, there's other things going on now. There's a lot more Afro future talk. There's science, science fiction. We could we could really go in deep on something completely radically different than a type of talk we're talking about real housewives nonsense. And I mean, come on, black folks are, are, are deeper than that. You know, we, we we're longer than that. Anyway. Uh, Cthulhu, I appreciate that, man. So uh, my thoughts. First of all, I think I, I, I'm very suspicious of how this went because you had, you had the uh, Iron Fist thing. Iron Fist had a, had a very troubling start. To be, you know, just had a troubling start. A lot of people had issues with the, the, the racial connotations, the fact that once again you have kind of a Tarzanification. <laughs> a Tarzanification of a white male coming into a ethnic space, and he and or she, they come in, you let them in, they master being a better, they master being an Asian, they master being a a, a Latin person, they master being of African African extraction culturally, they and then they become the the person that you go to, they're the go to person. And the main people are just garnishes on a plate of food. They're just, a, they're just a side dish, even though you're supposed to be. You invented the dish. You invented the, you invented the meal. But the white man comes in and controls everything. So that was a problem in 2017 or 2018 with the first season of, of uh, Iron Fist. Luke Cage, man, but the, the, the beats of Harlem... Shao Hadari Coker as the showrunner, the music, everything lined up rather nicely. The only, only complaint that many of us had with season one was that it was a little too long. It was, it was a split season where the first six or seven episodes with Cottonmouth were par excellence, and then it went to a real campy space with the second half of season, of season one. So that was the only thing that was problematic, and I think Cheo was aware of that, and then I thought there was a bit of an improvement in season two. Um, we saw all her chops with Alfre Woodard, because Alfre Woodard is a real master thespian. She really is something. You know, uh, even Shades, her paramour, was something. Everybody really brought, raised the bar on that one. And the cultural implications, you have Black Lightning, Black Panther. How could you not, how could Marvel get rid of kind of their centerpiece, black-centric thing? I mean, well, one could say Black Panther might be that. But the black American centerpiece, Luke Cage in Harlem, NYC, it's just something about that. It, I don't trust it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hopeful that, what, like what you said, uh, we spoke about a few shows ago. Disney is all about money. Look, it's not about being magnanimous or altruistic. These people want to make money. And I think uh, they, the long game is to extricate themselves from Netflix. Like, why would you show you know, your product on a streaming service when you have your own streaming service? I mean, realistically. Realistically, why would you still have this connection to Netflix, even though they helped you out? We saw we look. We see DC doesn't give a damn. DC, D, uh, Netflix was instrumental in bringing back Young Justice. 
it was through it was through interest in Netflix that Young Justice came back into the fold. And what did DC do? Damn that, we're gonna bring it back to DC Universe. They didn't go through any kind of you know wait waiting period. I think maybe Marvel, maybe Marvel might have a little bit more scruples, so they kind of do a slow transition, whereas DC could give to you know what. So I'm thinking uh, either we will see uh, if they still if they do maintain a relationship with Netflix, maybe we will see, uh, which would make more sense and also shore up this kind of lag with all these these episodes. If you have a true Power Man Iron Fist series, then you have potentially three points of interest, three or four points of interest that will be able to have a really full meal. You'll have, uh, again, Daughters of the the Dragon. You got uh, Misty Knight, who's all kick-ass. I mean, that, that component, that women of color component, is something I can't see them kind of like eschewing that. I don't, I don't see that happening. So you had Drag- Daughters of the Dragon, if that's not even a separate series, but I think Daughters of the Dragon, Power Man, and Iron Fist, um, all that in one series, if they maintain on Netflix, that might be a reality. That would probably assuage any concerns, and you'd probably get a better product. If they don't do that, uh, maybe this whole Disney Play thing. Disney Play, that streaming service. And also there's the potential, there is the potential that we might actually have um, a higher production budget on Disney Play versus Netflix. You might, because we're hearing all these other ancillary projects, are gonna, they're going to put some real money behind this stuff. If you, especially if you're going to have Tom Hiddleston and if you're going to have... Um, uh, the, what's, her, what's her face? Um, I'm thinking. I'm drawing a blank. Scarlet uh, Witch. Scarlet Witch. The Scarlet Witch. If you have, if you have, hello. No, I, I'm sorry. Can I can I ask one more quick thing though? Yeah, yeah, Just sure, sure, sure. Piggyback on that. Sure. Um, we've obviously seen several episodes since the start of the Netflix-Marvel uh, merger, um, starting with, with Daredevil a few years back, it's always been street level. It's always been in New York. What do you think about the possibility of expanding out a little bit more and getting it off of just street level? Obviously, there's the precedent of the Defenders having Doctor Strange, Silver Surfer, Hulk, you know, from the comic book history. Is there a possibility that we could see some more movie-level superheroes on either Disney streaming service or Mar- uh, Netflix Marvel's merger kind of thing in the future? And would you like to see something along those lines, higher production value um, on the small screen? Well, you know, normally I would say I, I doubt it, but I can't say that now because if you're hearing Loki – and the Scarlet Witch getting their own iterations with money behind them, that they're going to be a higher, le- higher production value than what we see on Netflix. And, and again, you, you know, these are like A-list actors, A-list, B-list actors 
you, you can't have the actors that were that are normally accustomed to a film environment not likening that environment to the streaming service. I think they ex- and also that's going to be under the tutelage of of Kevin Feige. So Kevin, Ke- this is Kevin Feige's baby. So you know, just for the sake of kind of let me show you, you know, let me show you what I got. I suspect that a lot of what you're asking for, we may see some of this play out on this on this new streaming service. Um, and the street level stuff. Look, we're going to see a different phase after Avengers Four. So there's a whole lot of exploration and experimentation they may end up doing. We have no idea where Marvel is going to go. But if we already see this Disney play, and there's going to be money on a streaming service. Look, I thought I expected the least for um, for CBS All Access. I'm pretty sure that Houston would even attest to this. That I was thoroughly impressed with the CGI. But I mean, you're talking about seven million per episode for a streaming service through CBS. So I'm thinking that that uh, Disney Play is probably going to be in the same bailiwick. I th- I think we're going to be shocked at what we could potentially see with the streaming service. I'm just more concerned about black imagery, black representation, and black folks winning. And not having Luke Cage for a couple of more years to kind of cement the, the blurred renaissance is problematic for me. I, I just don't like... And also the way that they did it. You know, it wasn't, you know it's like you, you, you announced the Iron Fist thing. Everyone kind of expected that. Uh, Luke Cage, I don't think people are going to take that lightly. I think I think there's going to be some pushback on Luke Cage just going away. And also, even some of the folks on YouTube, other podcasters, you know how you know how nerds get down. They were really analyzing the wording. There was they said something about they they gave they left it open ended, even in in the formal announcement that you might see Luke Cage. The return of Luke Cage somewhere. They, they, the phrasing was very suspicious, and also they they made it seem as if that that it, it might return. So let, let's be hopeful. I'm very hopeful that we might see something with these individuals. Hell, maybe they might. Maybe Luke Cage, because his power set is all that. Maybe he, he might be able to come in through the uh, after Avengers Four, because that's in that's in canon also. Actually, in canon. Luke Cage runs the Avengers. That's in canon. So that might, Mike Coulter might get a promotion in a way for post-Avengers 4. That, that might be a reality. I have no idea. I have no idea. So, uh, Q or Captain. Let's go to the Captain, then to Q. Captain, your thoughts. Well, you got, you got to, anything can happen in this type of Marvel universe. Remember, you had Lady Sif come through on Agents of Shield. How that happen? You know, so anything could anything could happen with this stuff. Now, can you imagine? You know, can you imagine this? You have two streaming services, and they somehow <laughs> managed to pull off a binge crossover event. <laughs> You drop on Wednesday. This is gonna drop here on Thursday, and then we drop this over here on Friday on Netflix. Just saying, you know, they would lock down a whole weekend. 
because you couldn't you wouldn't really have time to watch all of that, but you're gonna make it your business to watch all of that within a week. They didn't have everybody. They didn't have it locked down for a week doing something like that. Running keep a little bit on Netflix and then do your own streaming service there via Disney with the rest of the stuff to make your money. I'm just saying. It would just be wise to bring back Luke Cage. You know, really for Iron Fist. But they said is the thing with Iron Fist stuff. Season one, though, it was garbage. I didn't like season two either. But they had said at the given time that was the most watched out of all the Netflix Marvel iterations. You know, that's I'm just saying. So we just have to wait and see with all of this, you know. I'm not going to get too emotional you know, in respect to this. We'll just see what happens and how it goes. Gentlemen and ladies, back to you, Afrolern. All right, Q-Storm. You wanted to get in on get in on this. Your impressions of this this cancellation, man. Your thoughts. I um I'm kind of stunned about it. Uh, I don't like the uh, Cthulhu's prodigy. Is that who was on the on the line? That's it. Yeah, Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Shout out to him. Uh, he he. Uh, that's my guy right there. <laughs> we always go back and forth on uh, Twitter. We tend to agree all the time too, so I like him. Um, but like he said, like he said, um, you know, I don't know anyone who had anything foul to say about season two of Luke Cage. And I thought season two was better than the first season. I thought, of, now I liked Jessica Jones season two for the most part, more than season one outside of uh, Kill, Killgrave. But Luke Cage mopped the floor with uh, Jessica Jones. Was she still on air? I wonder if this has to do anything with the fact that isn't um, isn't there a Trump connection with Marvel Disney? Isn't one of their investors a big Ike Trump Pearl, supporter? Ike Perlmutter invested money. I, I wonder if that has anything to do with. I can't think of. I'm, I got to come up with something. You know, it's like I don't I, think, like, I don't think to, that's it. I don't think. But go ahead. Like, what do I know? But I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about that one. But go ahead. Why would they cancel season two when everyone was applauding it? Well, I look, don't get it. Is it a money thing all of a sudden? Well, look, it's it's always money, but it's always uh, money. Netflix is Netflix is notorious with not releasing their numbers, so we don't know the metrics really on what some of these properties are doing. Now there's a way they they have the math where they know how much what the what the viewers the viewership will do and how that viewership will translate to new subscribers. So I have no idea. There was something about the metrics for actually the first seasons of Iron Fist and Luke Cage that the math was on point because as much as folks uh critically did not care for Iron Fist Everybody watched it. So all they care about is eyeballs. So the eyeball factor was met, and next thing you know, season two was approved. Now, in the case of Jessica Jones, from, from my understanding, from my understanding, season three was greenlighted. So now season, you know, listen, I like all things comic books. So I, I can, t- even if I'm not really 100% into something, just to see the translation on film, I'm going to concede to it a little. So I looked at, um, Jessica Jones. There's some points that were interesting. You know, the, the the shout out to the Golden Age Wizard, who you know met, met a tragic end. 
I saw his color scheme. When I saw that yellow and blue, I said, okay, this this guy, he really can move at super speed. So I kind of thought we were going to see something. So they were, they did some nods to to the to the nerds, which is almost necessary for this kind of stuff. Um, but I really wasn't impressed with season two of Jessica Jones. Jessica Jessica Jones one was a mind f. It was it was almost up there with a, a Hitchcockian kind of thing. You know, David Tennant is a beast. So um, I had no qualms. I mean, talk about. Uh, I was more scared. Of, I was more scared of Jessica Jones than I was of Halloween, because it was more mind, like the idea of someone, the idea of someone controlling you without you having any influence in it, like just someone just controlling your body. Uh, that is just, is just frightening. So uh, I got it the first time around. The second one, I, I just you know you had this woman, her her Howard Stern, brolic mother who was super-powered, running around, like twice <laughs> her size. It looked, it, just visually, it looked crazy. This ma- weird mad woman, you know, it, it just didn't uh. – Can I just say – can I jump in real quick? The, this isn't about Jessica Jones, but I just want to defend season two for a second. The only reason I liked it a little more than season one is not necessarily because of the villain, because Kilgrave, no, nobody can touch that. I, I got you. But season two, I got a sense of getting Jessica Jones as a three-dimensional character. In season one and in The Defenders, she just came off as a smug kind of, uh, uh, not uh, emo type of, just a millennial kind of just, oh, woe is me type of character, just always frowning. In this one, I saw some dimension. In the second one, I saw some dimension in her, possibly because of what she went through with her mother. That's, that's the only reason why I, I identify with the character a little bit more. Go ahead. A nasty woman that does not shower. That's how she came across. <laughs> Go ahead. Look, Mike Coulter was doing some coffee brewing for my for my satisfaction. <laughs> okay, so I appreciate I appreciated that. Okay, black men doing what they do, you know. That I appreciate. He was, you know, they, both of them, it was, there was some things going on, if you really go into it, where they were both pained individuals. And the part where she, under the control of the Purple Man, killed his wife, I thought that was compelling. I thought that, um, it, is, it, was, it was a lot going, I mean, it was, it was a solid thing, man. I'm trying to remember more of season one. There was a few things that I really liked about season one. Well, there was uh, there, there was Kilgrave's parents. That was pretty deep. You know yeah, what he I did mean, to I his mean, parents. Yeah, you know, it was it was like it was all over. And even when he turned purple briefly, even that was a nod to to the nerds. You know they because literally he has a purple he, he has he has purple skin in the comic books. So, you know that's a little too comic booky. But they they did kind of go there for like half a second when he when he he increased his power set, and then even then. You really don't know if this guy's really dead. She could have he he could have made her think that she that she killed him with his mind control, uh, or he might have uh, recuperative powers. I think that's also part of his power set uh, in canon. So we'll, that character probably be, probably will be revisited at some point. But I do think she w- has garnered an immunity to his power set um, also in canon. <laughs> So there's a lot of stuff going on. I thought season one was just superior to season two. 
personally. Uh, the only highlight for season two for me also, again, um, the wizard, Golden Age reference, and also we got an inclination that her friend, or we don't know what the nature of, the, of their relationship, that might, that's also interesting, that now we don't know how this relationship's going to pan out. But her friend, who so desperately wanted to have powers, it looks like, um, what's the character's name? Pat, Patsy, Wa- Patsy, Patsy Walker. Walker. Yeah. yeah, Patsy yeah. Walker in canon is Black Cat. She, she has these, uh, she's, she's, uh, reflexes are superhuman. There's a whole thing with Black Cat. And I think there might there might be a little bit of of like the the uh, is it is it black cat or Hellcat? Is it Hellcat? Yeah, black, I don't think it's Hellcat. It's Hellcat, right? I don't think so. Think, is it Hellcat? Okay. Yeah, because Black Cat is the is the Spider Man uh, paramour, sometime paramour. So no, no, it's Hellcat. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. But we're in a whole women's empowerment moment, which I understand and I can even appreciate it, but I think that might be the saving grace for why we see a season three, but I think it's unfair that we have a season three of Jessica Jones when the equally impactful and culturally culturally significant Luke Cage doesn't get a season three. Well, Especially, knew, especially without Did they say they were going to be a season three, Jessica Jones? Yeah. I heard there was going to be one. Come I can on, say this. I can say this. You, you were just talking about Patsy Walker, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with her character. Compare that. that. Compare that with the character. I can't remember the character's name, but the the apothecary woman, the one uh, in Luke Cage who was making the um, oh yeah the drug. that one too. Yeah. When she the last episode, when she walked in that room. With the Afro pups and the cut off midriff thing, I was like, "When is season three coming out?" I don't give a damn about Patsy Walker. I want to know more about. I forget the character's name, but that's who I want to know. That's whose development I want to see. That she came in that room and I was like, "Well, oh man, you should have had her come in when I was dragging on episode six. So you know you yeah. can keep Patsy Walker. I want to know more about her. Well, that is that that character. I'm looking up her 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 name now. You know, listen. Anytime you have these minor these characters that you think are minor characters, they're less than minor. They're very much part of canon. They're not just brought in just because you know it is. It's funny that we're so used to these cinematic translations that you have to go to the source material. But her character is a character with a power set or a villain character that right. uh, is very much part of Luke Cage's, Luke Cage's mythology. So, like, that's something I even failed to, to remember. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, they, they, there's a lot of things that were going on in Luke Cage for season three that would have expanded that thing. So... So now Luke Cage, is on, Luke Cage is on his Emperor Palpatine now. I want to see what happens. He, he is in... Um... Yeah, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, Marshall Law's character. What was his character? Well, uh, down, he ran the club. Up. He's in his office now. I want to know what, what are the dynamics of Luke Cage now? Is he turned to the dark side? I would. How how cool would it be to see a superpowered, invulnerable black man having a struggle with the dark side? <laughs> Come on, you're gonna cancel that? 
Well, look, let, let me read this for a second because this is from NBC News. So th- I don't think this thing is going to go down. I, I think Marvel, you know, Marvel is very sensitive. I give credit where credit is due, more so than DC. Marvel is very sensitive to the landscape and to the fan base and, and what's going on on the street. You know, they, they, they know uh, on how they can hear murmurs on stuff like, wait a minute, this ain't really. Black folks aren't going to really take this thing lightly, I don't think. Uh, anyway, this is from NBCNews.com, uh, their, their, think, their think op-ed section. It's entitled, Netflix cancels Luke Cage and Iron Fist, jeopardizing Marvel's ambitious superhero project. Netflix and Marvel need to start thinking outside the box before audiences drift away or Disney steals them. Uh, it is a truth universally acknowledged when a company or politician, they say in parentheses, wants to bur- bury a, an embarrassing story. It's released on Friday afternoon after most people have turned out for the weekend. The practice has been so widespread, it even has a name, the Friday night news dump. So really wanted to bury the news that it was canceling Iron Fist and Luke Cage Two of the four original TV series commissioned for the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2013, because news of the former broke first last Friday, October 12th, and the latter didn't become widely known until this Friday night at 10 p.m. Marvel fans should be worried. The Netflix shows are not without their flaws, but allowing them to die would be a real loss for the genre. The timing is not great for Netflix, which released the third third season of sibling show Daredevil, on Friday, October 19th. The bigger problem here is that Netflix originally designed these shows to intersect but has been inconsistent in doing so, leaving some storylines feeling unmoored. It was an interesting experiment, but for it to successfully continue, Netflix will have to figure out a way for the various plots to stand on their own and more interesting ways to get them to work together. If Netflix can't find a way to do this, Marvel's parent company Disney is liable to dominate the superhero landscape on TV going forward, as their new streaming service becomes the much more family-friendly, parenthetically, it says, choice for Marvel starting in 2019. Um, all right, there's a few, and they're going into phase one, phase two, and blah, 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 Ed Norton, miscast. So, look, um, first of all, they say Ed Norton was miscast as the Hulk. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I thought Ed Norton actually looked a whole lot like what Bruce Banner is supposed to look like. He just needed to wear glasses. But I thought that – I thought Ed Norton physically looked like Bruce Banner. Okay. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, yeah, I'm a little uh, – I think this, this is, this is going to be a problem. There's a cultural significance to Luke Cage right now. And they need, and, but they also write that they, they weren't as successful as intersecting these, these – except for maybe Turk. We did see Turk around. It was pretty comical to see, you know, this kind of uh, curmudgeon-y uh, ne'er-do-well that was in multiple shows. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And, well, and, and also, who you talking Turk. About? Turk. Turk was in uh, Luke Cage. He was in Daredevil, and I think he was he was in just about every just about every show. I don't I think recall he was in that you know, Turk, the black guy that was always like the guy you would go to to get some shady, to get information. Or, matter of fact, he was in, um, he's, a, he's a phenomenal actor. He was in, um, what's that Netflix TV movie that um, 
Mary J. Blige was in that was that was highly highly uh, critiqued. It's set in the nineteen Mud Mud Mudbound. Yeah, the 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 main character in Mudbound, that black actor is also Turk on in these Marvel franchises. I think I know you're talking about. Okay, he's the guy that was like always kind of he was always getting his chops busted. He was the guy you go to if if you want shady, shady. Matter of fact, when Cottonmouth threw the guy that killed Pops, you threw him off the roof. He was there with this guy to make a deal, and this guy said, okay. You know, he, he was already – when he saw the guy thrown off the roof, he was like, you guys, are, you know, you're throwing Negroes off the roof. I'm done. <laughs> he's, he's kind of he's kind of a, a quasi-comical character. Every time you see him, he's the guy you go to for information, or you want to get, like, a, an illegal gun or something. He's a low criminal type with information. Is he the guy anyway. that sold the guns to um... – Ah, to the brother, an artifice too, to the brother and the sister in the back of the uh, van? I, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. Okay. Exactly. Right. You, okay. Always, you yeah. always see Daredevil busting him up, man. <laughs> By the water or something like that. Yeah, he gets tuned up for information. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty comical character. Um, I just, I look, I, I'm, I'm going to remain hopeful that the ca- these characters end up somewhere else. The only problem is, is that uh, how long are you going to be able to hold on to Mike Coulter? Because these guys, you know, they're in the system. Once you, you know, once production stops, then you know their agents start to get go around. They start looking for work somewhere else. He might end up somewhere in some other TV series. I don't know, unless unless they know for sure. They're, they're just keeping it secretive. They know for sure what they're going to do with him, and they they got they have him as as a contract player, and they know for sure that okay six months later you're going to be on Disney Play, or three months something to that effect. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Well, the only thing he's done on something that I know of uh, out of out of Luke Cage is um, Girls Trip. Has he done anything else other than that? No, nah, he, nah, he's done some stuff. He's been around for a minute. He's done some stuff. He's he's in other series. Um, a, a number of series. I know he was on, he was uh, involved in in a, in a Halo stream. Halo when Xbox was trying to get their streaming. Oh yeah, 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 right, right, right. He, he was in Halo. Um, he was on some USA TV show that looked promising. He he's been in the he's been in the mix. So you know, once his once this thing like falters, they have him set his production team because he's a pretty popular actor. Trust me, they'll find him in something, some other venue. If they already have, if they don't already have a plan for this guy, you know, he is the face. He's literally Luke Cage. So I, I have a problem thinking that that they're just gonna like let this go away, and then that's the end of the conversation. I, I don't know. Hashtag Valzad. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. What? Uh, uh, Coulter as Valzad? I'm just saying. I'm throwing it out there. Okay. Well. DC seems to work work on a different auspices. We're going to talk about that talk about that in a minute. Actually, I think we might talk about that next. Um, well, actually, no. Did we talk? We didn't talk about Daredevil, did we? Cap? No, sir. We didn't talk about it. All right. Let's take a break. There's a lot lot going on. <laughs> let's let's take a break and. Um, 
we're going to talk about we have a couple things. We have that that racist pro-Trump blacks for blacks for Trump's agenda. You know, we do talk about the blurdy and the nerdy, but it is the grindhouse, and on and on occasion we will go into something that's political. But let's go to Daredevil and then that. So a groove, Daredevil, then black folks for Trump's agenda. That that ad. Uh, this is Jeremy or Jeremy, I think. Jeremy, <laughs> cold blooded. About two minutes. We'll be right back. Let's groove. What you want? You know I got it. What you need? I'll provide it. Call me when you're looking for a cold blooded love. Grindhouse, as powered by the Afro Nerd Radio Machine. The call in number remains the same. We've got about a little bit more than an hour, hour and four minutes and counting. This is 646, the call in number that is, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. The lines are open. Feel free to buzz queries, questions, protestations, disagreements, all that jazz as we discuss the latest goings on in 
pop culture, pop culture, blurred culture, 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 <laughs> political culture, all that jazz and jazz. So before the break, we decided to actually discuss season three of Daredevil. Um, so much going on. I, fi- I failed to, we kind of were going up, going around the, t- the topic. So Captain, I'm going, to def- I'm going to defer to you again, your impressions of season three or you know, I don't think I don't think either one of us have actually seen the full thirteen episodes, but I saw maybe five episodes. Anyway, what are your thoughts, sir? Well, I watched six episodes. Now let's back up first. Daredevil season one and season two, from my opinion, was must see TV as far as this Marvel Netflix deal. Must see TV, must see. You know, when they introduced Punisher, everything that they did there, you know, Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin, brilliant stuff, man, brilliant stuff, man. Looking forward to it. We're always looking forward to it. Now we get to season three, six episodes in. And this here, they, so far, they're doing what they did with Jessica Jones in season two, in my opinion. You have your own opinions. But what does that mean? Drama, BS, you know? It's very slow. Now, what happens in this day and age, because of the Internet, because of the cell phone, because we're used to getting information right away, it's hard at times. To do this type of thing You just don't have the patience for it Because you're used to just getting things so fast Unless it's well written And you have Great actors have a strong following You can still pull it off You can still pull it off They have good actors For this I wouldn't say anyone's great As of yet Maybe they might become great later on Because acting is an art form that as you can see, people get better as they go along. <clears throat> so at this given point, people are good. The person playing Daredevil, he's good. You know, that's for sure. And he comes from a certain place. I'll let you see. <laughs> what did I say about these people before? You know, I'm talking in parable speak. They're just better at it. But anyway, that's just by the by. So from my standpoint, it's totally dragging. It's okay-ish. And then it has certain high points where it's like, okay, okay, and then it comes back down. It looks, if I'm looking at this from a scientific standpoint, I need more direct current. You know, DC current, if you look at the wave, it stays as straight across like that. Alternating current goes up and down, up and down. That's what they're doing with this. It's very alternating current, AC. And the waves are spaced out. So meaning which, it'll be in the down part a long time, you know, character development, yada, 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 all this other stuff. You're getting this. You're trying to find out who these people are. And then, boom, it spikes. You're going, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and it goes right back down. Shook, got you, you know. So at this given point, it's just only okay. That's only six episodes in. They can still redeem themselves by, like, episode eight, and then this goes Spang, 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 bang, 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 shoot them up. It's all over, and then it's really good, you know, with the same 
bit of character development that's already built up in you already. Maybe that's the way they're going. Didn't happen with Jessica Jones season two, though. Didn't happen. I thought that was a bore all the way through. All the way through. So I'm hoping it doesn't happen here with this. Because, you know, Daredevil, from a Netflix standpoint, was my thing. That's the guy with this. You know, top brass. You know, followed by Luke Cage. So I just think at this given point, it's only okay. It's only okay. Should you go see it? Yeah. You know why? Because the first two seasons were brilliant. And you want to know what's going on. You know, you want to know what's going on. So you have to check it out. I wouldn't say you got to go run and go see this because, you know, at this point, it's not that incredible. Nothing special about it. But you have to go see it based on the first two seasons. That's all. It's okay at this given point. Back over to you, Afro. Yeah, you know, uh, again, a few hours before this broadcast, we actually did a video impressions, and we discussed a number of things. And one was, of course, season three, or a few episodes in. You know, we'll probably have to do a second half once we've actually completed looking at season three in its entirety. But again, before the uh, the broadcast, we actually did a video impressions of season three. Uh, for me, episodes one through five. And I look, I love the Daredevil TV series, so I'm only going to be so um, critical in the sense that it, it you know, I'm not going to say it sucked because it really is kind of the, and the first of the Netflix imprint TV series. So it, it starts with Daredevil, all of this stuff that we like, all the other things that we, you know, that have, that have since been canceled or whatever, it starts with Daredevil. So Daredevil, it really is the gold standard. For season three, it is moving. The pacing is a bit slower. We know that we're coming in after what many thought the viewer, I mean, the viewers probably didn't really think, but um, there was a belief that he may have died or was on the brink of death from the Defenders TV show. So in, in, during the Defenders is when a building toppled on, toppled on him, and we have to figure out whether he was able to narrowly escape. So Season three is essentially Daredevil's rebirth, and there's a whole process to that. He's back in the black uniform. That's a nod to the Frank Miller characterization. And in the and in the video impressions, you know, I had mentioned some of the backstory on Daredevil, the history. You know, it's it's a 1964 creation, the great Stan Lee and Bill Everett. I think Bill Everett is also uh, behind. Submariner, Submariner's creation, Golden Age creation. Now he's back at it again for the Silver Age creation of Daredevil. And Daredevil has a has an interesting backstory in the sense that you know he is a handicapped hero, which is goes to the genius of Marvel exploring that a handy capable hero. He was somewhat similar to Spider Man in some ways. Swinging on on the rooftops, he was nimble, he was acrobatic, um, but he was an adult. He was an attorney, whereas it, you know when Spider Man came about, he was a teenager. And there's also the whole kind of connection in in villains between Spider Man, Daredevil, and the Punisher, where Wilson Fisk started out originally. As a Spider-Man villain, then went to a Daredevil villain, and then some at some point ended up being the Punisher's villain. 
So he's gone through a number of changes, the Daredevil character, and he, he really popped with un, under the auspices of Frank Miller. Now, Frank Miller gets a lot of credit from the mid-'80s, early-'80s to the mid-'80s, as, as far as really turning the comic book genre on its heels in a far more adult, darker direction. Whether it's um, the Dark Knight, whether it's Daredevil, really, what we see on screen now is really Miller's work. This darkness thing. Um, so it, it's just dragging a bit. You know, he's separated from his friends. His friendship with Karen Page and with Foggy Nelson, especially. You know they got to find each other again. It's just, you know, it's like the captain said, it's a lot of melodrama going on, middling melodrama before we get into the action. The one thing that separated the Netflix stuff, specifically Daredevil, from what's going on with the Berlanti verse and the CW, that maybe season one, season two of Arrow. Gave us a fair share of grittiness. I'm hearing that maybe, I think this is what, season seven of Arrow now, that according to the captain, so I'm, out, I'm, I'm maybe like two or three seasons behind. I just, I just dipped out of Arrow. Just, just, I'm just completely disinterested. But he said that it may be going back into his original fold for this season. Some of the, some of the grittiness that we saw from his origin on the island when he became this skilled archer. They may be going into a grittier tone, back to a grittier tone for season seven. Anyway, Arrow couldn't mess around with Daredevil as far as the fight choreography, the, the darker, serious approach. Daredevil was, was, was it. It just was it. Season three, I'm not really feeling that right now. Not really. The great Bondi Curtis Hall. You know, his, his, he was met a, a death. I wasn't sure about that. So the actor, Bondi Curtis Hall. Anyway, uh, I'm saying, his, what was his character? He's a longstanding character. Why can't I think of his name? I'm always forgetting. He's a newspaper, newspaper uh, publisher or newspaper reporter. It kind of mean a minute. Anyway. Uh, I, I lamented the past, even though that was there was a race bending with that character. I, I liked, you know, that's that's the testament to Curtis's uh, acting abilities. Look, I'm trying to look to see what what his what his. Uh, bear with me, folks. Oh yeah, Ben Urich. Yeah, Ben Urich. He actually Ben Urich is is kind of funny. Ben Yurk was that person in the Marvel Universe that was able to deduce most of the secret identities of the major players in New York. Like, he knew that Peter Parker, Spider-Man, because of how he smelled. <laughs> With that costume <laughs> on. You know, he just kind of put two and two together. He was the one that was able to figure out that, um, and he kept it a secret also. He's there to figure out that Matt Murdock and Daredevil were the same person, so there's, there's, he's kind of a he's kind of a part he's a, he's a part of the secret club. I remember one time they actually met 
in a park. It was like nighttime, and it was a few of these guys that met in a park with Ben Urich. And everyone knew, it was full, with full knowledge that he was part of the club because he knew, these, he knew who they really were. I thought that was interesting. That's something that would have been cool to have seen on screen as well. Anyway, we, look, after the snapshot, after the, if, if things go a certain way, some folks aren't going to like this. I'm, I'm going to leave it at this. If things go a certain way, and if everything, and if everything is supposed to be so connected, it's all connected is one of the branding taglines of Marvel, of the Marvel Universe. If we are supposed to see, and I think there's more talk that we will see the, the reemergence of Quicksilver, one of my favorite. I'm a speedster guy. I'm, I'm a cerebral, cerebral guy like Batman and Black Panther. But as I've said countless times, uh, my introduction, introduction to comic collecting was through speedsters, through the Flash. Uh, Quicksilver with his costume and that lightning bolt, that was my guy also. So um, I didn't like it that Quicksilver was killed in, in Avengers. So Avengers Ultron. So we're supposed to – there's talk about him coming back in Avengers 4. You might see Cottonmouth through the stature. <laughs> you might see um, Killmonger through the snapshot. And you might see Ben Urich through the snapshot. Now, to be fair, I mean, that's a Marvel thing. Some folks aren't going to like it. But I kind of wonder if some of these characters could end up just kind of raising, raising their heads because they're messing around with fate. And there's going to be a lot of rebooting. You know, <laughs> they, that whole, the whole, what is it, the butterfly effect? If if you yes, sir. if you step on a fly or or a butterfly or some kind of insect, a, a million years if you were able to, a million years in the past could affect something in the present. So whatever tweaking they do, if they're to do some kind of time time traveling thing, might make the difference in someone living or dying. I'm just saying, even some of these minor characters, I think I think there's a there's room for that. And those characters, especially Cottonmouth, and isn't it funny that a lot of these characters are black characters? Uh, Cottonmouth and Killmonger and Ben Urich, all dead, allegedly. Let's move forward. All right. All right. So, okay, let's let's go to this. Let's go to the political, and then we'll lighten it up. Let's let's go let's go dark, and then we'll lighten it up. <laughs> Plantation Olympics, metaphysically. Anyway, um, all right, so I heard about this pro-Trump ad, and it is disturbing. However, there's a place, there's a space in this ad, Captain, that there's a kernel of truth in it, as, as, which is the case, even if the ad is quote-unquote racist, there's a kernel of truth in it. And actually, it's, it's going in a direction that I have gone into when it comes down to how Me Too operates with black males. Let me repeat that. How hashtag Me Too, that Me Too movement, how it operates with black males. So, I'm going to play this clip, the ad itself. I might 
include a little bit of Roland Martin. I think Roland Martin and his crew, they have some thoughts. Uh, let's just get into it. This is a, uh, a, a congressman, French Hill. The gentleman's name is French Hill. French Hill, his ad, I think the voices in the ad are supposed to be diamond and silk. The, the, the voices are offensive to me. The black sense, I don't like. I don't like overt black sense. Anyway, hold on. What do you think about what's happening in Washington? Our Congressman French Hill and the Republicans know that it's dangerous to change the presumption of innocence to a presumption of guilt, especially for black men. If the Democrats can do that to a white justice of the Supreme Court with no evidence, no corroboration, and all of her witnesses, including her best friend, say it didn't happen, what will happen to our husbands, our fathers, or our sons when a white girl lies on them? Girl, white Democrats will be lynching black folk again. Honey, I've always told my son, don't be messing around with that. If you get caught, she will cry rape. I'm voting to keep Congressman French Hill and the Republicans because we have to protect our men and boys. We can't afford to let white Democrats take us back to bad old days of race verdicts, life sentences, and lynchings when a white girl screams rape. Paid for by black Americans for the president's agenda. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, almost, it's, it's, it's almost comical. All right, let, let's go to oh, let's go to Roland Martin let's, for the sake of time. Let's go to Roland Martin and see how these guys, you know, these these overly emotional folk. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really get that emotional. Although, again, I admittedly don't like overt black sense. You know, our men, our men, <laughs> white Democrats. Okay, there's a certain way that black folks speak. You know, black men. Well, I, I can't say black females, but black males normally have kind of. Uh, you know, a deeper sounding voice. It's not na- not necessarily nasally, but in this case, that whole sapphire women, black women speak that we've seen countless times before. It's it's just it's insulting. It's insulting. I mean, you you could have you could have had black women that speak the king's English without all the histrionics and all the affects. You would have still gotten your point across. That's where the racism is also, to me, to me, my opinion, that's a little over the top for me. Anyway, let's go to Roland Martin. Someone from Arkansas sent me this radio ad, which is running on black radio stations in Arkansas in support of Republican Congressman French Hill. I'm going to play it, and I can't wait to have our panelists react. All right, folks, back to our Roland Martin Unfiltered video in just one moment. Um, I'm going to take a little break right here talk about one of our sponsors, FreePrints.com. If you're like me, you want to be able uh, to sometimes print out photos, not just email folks or airdrop those photos, uh, then you need to have a source. Well, FreePrints.com allows you to get 1,000 photos, 1,000 4x6 photos that you can actually print out at a nominal cost. Uh, they'll be shipped directly to you. You can print not just from your phone, but also from Instagram, Facebook, or even Twitter as well. It is... Uh, the top uh, app out there, some 100,000 five-star ratings. If you go to Google Play or go to iTunes, you can actually download their app, freeprints.com. But do me a favor, when they ask what you hear about them, what's the promo code, put in the name Roland, R-O-L-A-N-D, so they know that our followers, our viewers, are the ones uh, where where they actually saw this. And so we would surely appreciate you do that. And so uh, support those who are supporting us. So I want you to support freeprints.com. 
folks, brace yourself for this actual ad being put out by a black Republican group. What do you think about what's happening in Washington? Our Congressman French Hill and the Republicans know that it's dangerous to change the presumption of innocence to a presumption of guilt, especially for black men. If the Democrats can do that to a white justice of the Supreme Court with no evidence, no corroboration, and all of her witnesses, including her best friend, say it didn't happen, what will happen to our husbands, our fathers, or our sons when a white girl lies on them? Girl, white Democrats will be lynching black folk again. Honey, I've always told my son, don't be messing around with that. If you get caught, she will cry rape. I'm voting to keep Congressman French Hill and the Republicans because we have to protect our men and boys. We can't afford to let white Democrats take us back to bad old days of race verdicts, life sentences, and lynchings when a white girl screams rape. Paid for by black Americans for the president's agenda. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Damn. <laughs> black Americans for the president's agenda is headed by Vernon yeah. Robinson. Yeah who's going to be on Roller Mart Unfiltered on Monday. Oh, now, oh, Congressman right. French and his opponent, Clark Tucker, both have condemned the ad. Cleo, what do you think? Okay, that was an ad by black Republicans? The Republicans. Vernon, yes, Vernon, a black Vernon, Republican group took that ad out in support of the white Republican running in Arkansas saying that if you vote for the white Democrat, yeah. then... You're, then you're going to be voting for somebody who's going to put black people in jail for dating a white woman. That's a sign of schizophrenic desperation. <laughs> I mean, damn. I'm just gonna, this is unfiltered. I can say damn, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, because uh, damn. I mean, that's very interesting. I, I have never heard on tape what black Republicans take that approach. Now, I want to ask my Republican brothers, is this an anomaly? Or is this something that has been done before among people who are called black Republicans? Um, I'll say this. I got a couple points here. First and foremost, Vernon Robinson is a scam pack artist. A scam um, anybody, pack anybody, artist. anybody that could do any research on him and look and see what he did with Ben Carson, Super Pack, Run Ben Run. I mean, you raise twelve million dollars, you literally spend like twelve point three, and take, after you take his cut. Um, you know, what he's doing with this is absolutely despicable. I mean, just on the facts alone. I'm sorry. You know, show me where you know, you know, Republican congressman that he support have, you know, taken up and backed, you know, bipartisan criminal justice legislation. Show me where Republicans have let their, you know, their name and their weight to, you know, situations involving Tamir Rice and, and Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, and to answer your particular question, uh, things may not necessarily play out in the way, you know, you may not necessarily see ads produced like this, but the sentiment of that, hey, you know, I'll use my blackness and tie it to being a Republican to cape for almost anything. Except for, uh, except for against absolute, voter repression. Except voter repression. Yeah, because, I mean, where's the ad with the white woman being, being you or, know, or, or, the or warning? Where, or, or, where, or where is he throwing, you know, put, putting cash or, or, or his weight behind, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to put my foot down and say I'm not producing or, or raising money for any Republicans that aren't taking a stance against this. That's why, this I, call it, that's why I call it this, desperate schizophrenia. This is how, this is how you know, it might be a Kanye black Republicans, you know, Maintain their edge, maintain their their quote unquote uh, clout for less of a better better term, um, you know by by taking actions like this. I mean this is absolutely you know. All right, you get the gist, folks. Um, my apologies for the repetition on that ad, but uh, when I first heard the the Roland Martin exchange, I I forgot that they had actually repeated 
the the controversial political ad again um French Hill from Arkansas congressman um from the second district actually uh that's his well black his black supporters on the Republican ticket are allegedly the ones that were the ones that produced this particular ad. So, um, Captain, you have any thoughts? I see that Q-Storm is back. I think he's on the road. Maybe. Well, listen. Well, listen. I have, to, I have to ask you a question. I have to ask you a question, love. Where do black Republicans stand in respect to this ad? <laughs> Are you a monolith or what? <laughs> Talk to me, Afro Nerd. Well, look. A nuance isn't really allowed, and there's a great there is a great deal. That's right. There is a great deal of slickness, and I, and I I would be a hypocrite because you you saw it before your very own eyes that when this B two movement first came about, and I think our our dear friend Claire Linnae, who was an actress in Hollywood, and we we appreciate what she brought to the show. And the fact that, you know, she couldn't really continue participating because of her career, actually. But uh, she had a, a way of thinking on this uh, Me Too thing when it first popped off with these accusations because she had insider knowledge. I mean, she's in the industry. She knows this stuff. Uh, some of this, this bad behavior is real, and it is real. But I don't think she thought that I was, like, digging in deep right away. Like, right away, I, th- I think she thought that I was going to be just – all in, and I had to take this kind of wait and see, and I don't think she dug that. And the reason why, and I, I believe I said it on air, or I might have told her personally. I said the reason why I, I have to go the the jurisprudence route. I have to kind of go the the way of this stuff has to be has to be met through evidence. Is because I'm a black male. <laughs> That intersectionality, you know, has its place, but there's there's going to be places where, like like a labyrinth, we're going to be able to in a maze, you're going to get caught, boxed in. So at some point, we're going to be able to go in this maze together, but there's going to be another place. It's going to be a place where we're going to be blocked off, where I'm not going to be able to go in the same route. My exit point is going to be different than your exit point even though we're, we're in this maze together. Now, what am I saying? As a black male, and, he, and many, many of the accusers in this situation have been white females. White females have historically lied on black males. And this is something that has been done repeatedly. Now, unfortunately, we're not in a, a space where we can talk this way. Like, I, you know, because we're men, we're under the umbrella of toxic masculinity and all that kind of stuff, but we're men without power. You know, the root doesn't, the root, you know, they don't understand that messaging. They're calling, they're too busy calling black males the white people or black people, which is just is absurd. But when you think of the Stewart case, the Stewart case in um, Massachusetts, um, was another case, a very well-known case, where it was it was uh, a mother that killed her children. I think she drowned her children in a car or something. A very well-known case. Yes. And that that mm-hmm. woman put out 
the word that a black black men had uh, carjacked her or something or was responsible for the death of her children. Uh, many of the lynchings, the historic lynchings that took place, you know, uh, post-bellum, it was always some white woman that claimed rape. And then as, as time has gone on, some of these things don't really they, – they didn't really pan out that well. Look what happened with, with um, Emmett Till. The, the 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 main accuser in that case was a white woman claiming that a white that a black child Emmett Till was a child whistled at her. Now, sixty plus years later, she says, "Uh, it didn't really happen. This 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 boy was bludgeoned to death. He was unrecognizable. Young young man in Brooklyn. His book bag touches a white female's posterior. She's ready to call the cops." with full throttle force on a nine-year-old child. There's a litany of cases, even cases. I think it was a case where a few cases, football players, athletes, who's, who's, you know, the, 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 the white female consented to a sexual situation. Then she decides that, oh, I can't really work with this because my father's going to disown me or worse. So then, oh, he raped me. Then you find out didn't happen, consensual, but you're behind still doing time. So when white females make allegations, yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. There's a repeated historical reference point. The real-life Wakanda, Black Wall Street, atomized because of a white female's allegation in an elevator and that too and that too was dubious story goes this uh i believe was i believe he was an elevator guy you know this is old this is 1920s um he might have tripped over this woman you know a black male just like touching i mean just physically touching not even in a sexual way he just literally just tripped over this woman like fell on her or touched her she freaked f freaked the f out, and it became exaggerated. So much so that even if he were to have been found guilty, which is not—I don't even think it was the case—that one black male, white males reacted, all black males. Paragon of black achievement, atomized with bombings, deaths, everything. A whole franchise was gone. Because of a white woman's word. So I, I have to be about jurisprudence when it comes down to white female allegations. And they're using that historical reality. These Republicans in a very shrewd and dishonest way. Because if you're going to keep it 100, 100 for real, I'm, I, look, I am a conservative, but I am honest and I'm, I am an, a historian. And the reality is. The white Democrats are the same <laughs> as these Democrats that this ad is supposed to be in favor of. They, they fail to clue you in on that. You know, we, we know about Strom Thurmond and the Dixiecrats, the, the Southern Democrats, the, the, the fact that he ran on a segregationist ticket in 1948. Yes, we know there was such a thing as racist white Democrats. But you know what? Those racist white Democrats 
many of them, many of them flipped the party and went Republican. So now they're pretending like they're yep. not the same people. You're pretending mm-hmm. like you're not the same people, and you're being intellectually dishonest. So it's real shady territory. This is how these people are conducting themselves. That's what's up. That's what's up. Conservative. I'm a black conservative. There's a, there is a line to this. There are permutations, just like in Democrats, on the Democratic side, on the liberal side. There's, there's a scale to this. I'm, in, I'm honoring the Frederick Douglass side of the game. Okay, but I'm not a neoconservative. I'm a black conservative. Anyway, I see Q-Storm is just biting, chopping at the bit. Uh, did you want to you wanna say something, Cap? No, you covered it. You know, you pretty much covered this. Other than the fact that I would say I found it offensive and amusing at the same given time. But other than that, you know, you did an excellent job, sir. Keep up the great work. Now let's get a cue with you. Nothing to add or yeah. take away. Yeah, and you know, Roland Martin, all these guys, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if any of these people, they're so angry about Cations here. But we got to be honest, that, that's one of the things that probably is a little bit of a stickler with me too, is how do black males figure into this, even with Bill Cosby? Because they're going to run that down, down your throat. Anyway, Q-Storm. Red Shirts Podcast, back at it again. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just find it really sad that uh, black people would be so willing to lower themselves to um, to uh, pandering to black people or being so cynical in their view of their own people that they would use an ad like that to try to cater to the lowest common denominator. Uh, I find it sad that, um, you know, that they would, they would dig this, um, they would try to come at this angle and have us vote against our interest. Uh, where, when we compare, as you, you laid out a lot of cases, some cases where white women have uh, unjustly accused black men. Now, me being a discerning Negro, I look at that and say, now let's look at the percentage. Not saying it's not something to be to be cognizant of, but let's look at the percentage of the number of times that's happened versus this ad that wants me to say, you should not vote for the white Democrat because of these cases here, what happened, and me too, versus we want you to vote against your interest in terms of jobs, in terms of tax cuts for the wealthy, in terms of uh, your right, uh, a woman's right to choose, in terms of uh, a litany of other issues that do not uh, fall in line with the interest of the black community, whether uh, correct or incorrect. I find it offensive that, that bl- black people in particular would stoop so low as to use the same tactics that the GOP uses, which is fear and uh, fear and uh, scaring their constituents into voting a certain way. I find it despicable. I find it offensive, and I, I, I you know, I don't. I would have no part of that. That's that. That ad is totally out of line. 
The only thing I would say is the black scent, kind of funny, Roland, Roland Martin having a problem with it because he speaks with a black scent. And uh, the way he came dressed to the table to speak to Jason Whitlock, I mean, like, Roland, come on, man. But besides that, uh, I'm in Roland's camp. That that ad is uh, – they, they need to get an ass whooping for that. <laughs> well, again, you know, my only thing, you know, I'm, I'm less upset about it because I think there's some truth to it. That's what makes it a little uh, – you know, it, look, on his face, on his face, the ad is actually quite truthful, all right? There is a place where black males don't necessarily fit in with me too, because this is this is retribution on a power level between white males and white females. But because we're males, we are caught up in this a little bit. The same way that I have a bit I have a bit of an issue with black women who describe themselves as feminists. Like this whole I'm a black feminist. Okay. Uh, Again, I w- I'm more in line with womanism versus feminism because we've seen historically that black women have taken a back seat figuratively and literally with white feminism. That they, they, they pull you in when they need you, and they discard you when they don't. And, uh, okay. uh, and again, when you have, let's say, rampant misogyny in hip-hop culture – I'm not really seeing white feminists working, waiting their way, waiting their way in that pool. Like, forget about culture and color. These are black women. The face, really, women of all stri- stripes are disrespected repeatedly in in uh, current and even classic hip hop, right? But it's mostly a black and brown face, mostly. So some re- some reason. I don't see feminist, feminism say, hey, this is a woman that's being disrespected. They're not hitting that. They're not working their way with uh, R. Kelly. You know, they're not working their way with a lot of things pop culturally and, and globally that, uh, that, affect, that affect black women. I don't see them working their way. We've seen even in history between, because um, they were contemporaries of each other at some point, Ida B. Wells, who was the uh, famed black feminist who was also uh, instrumental in addressing lynching, the lynching of black men, right? She was, she was reporting on that, and she had a dust-up with Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony, Susan B. Anthony is the face of the American feminist movement. And even, even with women, black and white, the white woman feminist who we're led to believe is your sister calls you, called specifically um, Ida B. Wells, a mulatress, a word I've just discovered. Um, I don't think she was anyone that, you know, look, if you don't look like the kind of black person that they think you're supposed to look like, they're going to call you a mulatress. So they call her, she called uh, Ida B. Wells a mulatress. And, like, all kinds of, you know, disrespectful things. Like, hey, you know, that yeah, 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 that lynching thing. But, but this woman thing, though. You see what I mean? Intersectional, intersectionalism didn't work in the 1920s. Okay, 19, the teens and 20s for Ida B. Ida B. Wells. It didn't work for, for them. Even when black, men, black women and white women sat in the same venue for a feminist event, 
the black women, because they were black, had to sit behind the white women. Kind of, that kind of role, that kind of positioning still exists to this day. So I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but this, this is, it's all connected. So what I'm saying is black men aren't – look, we're not in the same position. We're not, we're not the leaders of industry. You know, yes, we get into some gangster stuff. We do some grimy things. But there's been a number of cases where a white woman's whiteness is a switch they can, that, 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 they can, that they can flip and wreck your life very easily. I'm just saying. Go ahead. Well, here comes Q now. You know, here go Q. Go Q. It's a, I know. It's amazing. I know. It's amazing to me. That, I mean, I appreciate and respect that you are a student of history. I, I respect that. But what's amazing to me is that the GOP, what they are so brilliant at doing, tension. What do that I mean by true, that? Buddy. What do I mean by that? They managed to get a lot of black people, some of them who listen to this show. I haven't, I've been waiting for some of them to call in so I could call in. They managed to get black people diverted by saying, well, it's about her emails. Oh, but wait, she had a secret email server. Oh, uh, we don't want that. Vote Trump or vote third party. We got to vote our conscience. Now they're diverting using diamond and silk-ish, talking about me too. This is not about me too. Uh, And you know why I say that? Because are you trying to tell me that if you get a white Republican in there, they're not going to use the same tactics on you black men that these that these purportedly white Democrats would do? Stop it. Stop it. Stop, stop falling for the bait. You know, Star Wars, uh, you, you turn off your targeting computer, Red 5. What's wrong? Let's stay focused. It's not about Me Too, just like the, the presidential election was not about her emails. Stop voting against your interests and letting these GOP people uh, steer you away and divert you. Try to stay focused, black people. Because about white women wanting the white man in the White House. Fifty-three <laughs> percent. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about a party that is supporting a man. Who is eroding democracy left and right? But we want to talk about, oh, well, me too. They got a point with that, me too. I get the. Okay, this isn't after, after dark. Please don't leave worry, don't worry, Q. with that. Don't, don't worry, hey, Q. Don't worry, Q. Trump is going to win it again. You'll be all right. Let's be prepared. All right. I, look, I, I know people don't want to hear this. I think uh, BA, Black Achievement, probably understands this, but. On some level, and I, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not. I, I find him, de- him detestable. But I will confess that you got Wakanda, you got A Coin, you got Afronerd on IG, YouTube. The white man's got us shook. I'm trying to dismantle from the corporates. Oh, a lot of things. You know, look. It, it, I, even I'm subject to the same thing. I'm not. You know, I, I, I'm just like everybody else. There's certain things that are going on. It's like, oh, these these folks are crazy. Them folks are crazy. I got to get up out of here. The the, the two, the, you know, look, the devil's nephew. I heard somebody referring to him as that. 
The devil's nephew was sitting in the White House, red complexion and all. And if that's the case, right. your black ass has got to figure it out. So I kind of appreciate that black right. folks, you know, uh, more black folks were shook into a, a college co- college courses all of a sudden. All of a sudden, you, you want to do right now, Negro. So not you personally, but I'm talking about Negro in general. <laughs> that, you know, all of a sudden, you want to do right now. So that, that white man has to do – his, his uncle, I mean his nephew, devil's uncle, Beelzebub's uh, uh, nephew – call him uncle – Beelzebub's nephew is sitting in the White House. He's seen all this stuff, blunt racism. That snowflake-ish is going to help you out to the millennials. Yeah, yeah. A lot but of that's going on too. So we, so are you going to keep listening to their diverting messages, their conflation, and keep saying, "Hey, well, I'm glad he's in the White House because he's got his, he's got no, his mobilized." No, well, yeah. Well, at some, at some point, no, you got to say, "Stop it." Stop no, but what I'm saying, it's not about what I'm saying is, what I've been saying is, what I'm saying is, is that we want to try to um, make excuses for the duplicitous nature of some of these women. These same women. That are crying, me, hashtag me too. Some of their carpets are being pulled, and some of them voted for Trump. Some of them right. met Trump at the at the tarmac, talking about he could touch me anytime, and wearing T-shirts. I mean, who are these people? <laughs> even even the even the even the, the even the women at some of these rallies, when black women are there with signs saying, you know, you you know, you white women messed up. You know that, right? The, it's the sister that has to remind the black women, the white women, that you messed up because they fed into the tribe over their gender. These, these same white women got on Oprah's behind because she opted for tribalism in supporting President, then Senator Obama. They didn't like that. They said, you were one of our sisters. You're supposed to represent for the sisters. Damn the male-ish. Oprah said, no, that's my black brother. I'm going to rep for him. They didn't like that. Turn right around, they voted in white Malcolm X on some of the same ish that they critiqued. Same ish that they critiqued uh, Oprah Winfrey for. That's right. There's a reason why. There's a reason why you listen to this program, Q, because I'm trying to get you to discern. Not that you need my help, but it's a lot more complicated than this. And I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Hold on. Hold on. I don't agree with the ad. I, I said bluntly, the ad is full of crap because the white Democrats are exactly the same. Uh, they are the, 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 the current neoconservatives and um, – uh, what is it? The um, uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The, the uh, alt-right. Alt-right, white nationalists, neocons are rebranded white Democrats in the conversation, right? But – they use that kernel of truth with white female duplicity that that makes it a problem. Now go ahead and say what you're gonna say. My, you know, to me, you call me naive. To me, this is very uncomplicated. This is not rocket science. This is not quantum theory. This is not collapsing go. the the what is it? Uh, cap collapsing the quantum, quantum or whatever. You, this is very this is very effing basic do we want a a dictator a dictatorish person in the white house or do we not it's as simple as that you ask yourself or no 
And when you look at these ads, you don't try to say, well, you know, you're always talking about, well, a broken clock tells, tells the right time twice a day. Well, if the broken clock supports neo-Nazism, white nationalism, and white supremacy, I don't give a damn how many times a day it tells the right time. Listen, it's my, my, to me. my dear brother, Tobias yeah, listen, Whale. Listen, both of you have oh, great oh, points. Oh, oh, you have great points. Oh, but continue. My, my dear brother, Tobias Whale, told you. There we go. The, the black Negroes who insist on flapping their big black lips, <laughs> not wanting to hear what's really going down. I just told you. What does you, this have to do? Well, it's called humor. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. He's being comical, the, but just, you know, yeah. <laughs> The, the 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 devil's nephew is sitting in the White House. This, you you have nothing to do with this. You and I look. We we don't want a totalitarian government, or we don't we don't want this guy. But it's not our choice. These white folks huh? wanted this. It's not, you know, I mean, huh? I'm being very clear. These white folks have made a decision, and we're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> You, you're, you're pleading. No, you're, no, I mean, what do you mean no? It's just what it is. These white women, what, 53% captain? Yes, sir. Liberal, educated white women still opted for what they, they don't really feel comfortable. They're called, they're preventing you. They're, they're putting, what's that, that wrestling move, a captain? I can't remember what they put, when you put your Would forearm you? into a person's neck. No, Nine no. Half, that's not. What's your point? You're thinking well, too my much. Point, What's your point? <laughs> so my, my point? My point is that you've got all kinds of white folks doing all kinds of effort because they feel comfortable. They really not all. I mean, there's quite a few progressive, thankfully, quite a few progressive, intelligent, evolved white people. They're not the problem. But some right. of them are also out there fully realized, and they don't give a damn. They're talking about, we want the wall. I'm seeing this in video. A clearly look. It's wrong for someone who is of Latin extraction, someone who is maybe of immigrant immigrant status. It's wrong for them. But I'm still I'm seeing these white folks saying, "Let's build the wall to a person that's clearly a Black American, whose lineage probably dates back four or five hundred years, right along with the white man that brought him here." Okay, right. so those people those people are exclaiming that. Even to the black, even to the black American. So the head of the devil has been shown. Black man is right. going to have to figure it out and stop expecting. You're talking about I don't want this. We don't want this. They don't. They, you know. Look, they move this way. They like this. I don't think you're making my point. You're making my point. That's all we. I ain't going back and forth with you niggas. Go ahead. <laughs> That's why we should be discerning enough not to fall. I know you're not supposed to curse on this show. On a glance. That's why we should be discerning enough not to fall. Hang on. Okay, I'm not going to pause. Pause, pause, pause for a second. You say you're after it all out. After it after dark. It's going to be a whole. You're not going to be able to handle after it after dark. You don't want to see me cut loose. Oh, you haven't seen me. You haven't seen me get down. You don't want to see me. Come on, man. It's going to be crazy. All right, Africa. Let you speak, man. Let's speak. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All I, what I'm saying is, yes. You keep talking about Beelzebub's nephew is in the White House. Yeah. That's why 
when these people put out these racist ads, don't come to me talking about, oh, he's got a point. He's got a point. I don't want to hear that. I'm not trying to hear your point if you are talking to me like you are, uh, you look like me, but you're not one of me. And I know we're not monoliths. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I, that's coded language. I don't hear you. Talk I to hear me you. About, don't talk to me about, he's got a point about me too. I don't get, I don't care. Well, let me, let me, let me calm down. <laughs> this is not about me. This is not about me too. Just like the election was not about her emails. You could go on, you could disagree with some of Clinton's policy, Hillary Clinton's policies. It was not about her email, but they made it about her emails. Just like you're falling for the hype of this ad, which decided to, oh, we can, we can get out of it with me too. Black men, black men should be scared of white women. Let's, let's use that and let's get them to vote white Republican because the white Republican won't go after them if they bed down our white women. Come on, Negroes, stop it. Same thing. Same thing at the end of the day. At the end of the day, during the day, it's all nice, you know, it's all nice and rosy. You go into your different rooms. At the end of the day, it's time to pay the piper. It's the same thing at the end of the day, you know. That's the reality. Both sides will do their effery when they get ready. That's true. That's what it is. It's very true. <laughs> Look, we're gonna, That's what it is, we're gonna, man. <laughs> we're gonna go to something real quick. Something else because we got about ten minutes remaining, and we're just having fun. And if there is an Afro nerd after dark, ugh. <laughs> I gotta figure out how 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 oh. loose can we get? <laughs> it's on, it's on. <laughs> it's just on. Come on, now. you know. That that might make me. I might be going to mistral mode. I, I, oh, I gotta be careful. That's a fine line. And also, Q, Q, Q. I don't look like you. <laughs> Hashtag light skin. Hashtag light skin. <laughs> I don't know about life, kid. I don't know about that. Go easy with that. Hey, hey, you know. <laughs> I don't know about I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> you know? All right, look. Let's, if we're going to play around, let's play around. <laughs> we, got, we, we, got, okay. we got 10 minutes, man, so less than 10 minutes. So I want to mention this quickly. There's a gentleman right. I have to reach out. There's a gentleman. Let's go back to comic book stuff. There's um, a gentleman I have to reach out to. And it's very interesting. This is this is this goes back to that, you know, still some of that effery that's afoot. Um, Michael Davis, right? Michael Davis. If those who may not be familiar with that name, this is when I wish that we had the uncanny here because the uncanny could really get into the history. But I want to reach out to this gentleman. There were a number of of um, principles, or oh, there there are a number of principles that were involved in the development and the creation of Milestone Media back in the early 90s, right? So we were fortunate enough to have the, the late, great Dwayne McDuffie, who, who really is, should be the godfather of blurdism. If you're going to keep it 100. Like, he was always that person that was pushing this. And I remember that when he passed, I was like, whoa. We saw clearly what he was doing, what he was aiming for, and it would, it would have been really something special for him to be alive and to still be rel- to be a relatively young person. I think he died like he was, when he was like, so he would have still been a young, cause it was only a few years ago. So he would still been a young person to be able to enjoy and see what his efforts have produced. So anyway, if it was, if, if you have um, Dwayne McDuffie, you have Reginald Hudland, you have Jamal Eagle, um, and you have Michael Davis, right? Michael Davis is a notable comic book creator, colorist artist 
and he's somewhat of a controversial figure in the comic book world because he will let Ish fly if he's if he's uncomfortable. He will he he's very uh, profoundly black, very um, he's in your face about it, corporate or not. Anyway, uh, he's had his issues with dealing with the DC machine. And there's a link I'm going to put into the chat room. I'm going to actually talk about this on the blog at some point because I'm in, I'm in uh, late with this piece I want to write about Milestone Media. It's very important to, to, to kind of lay down my thoughts about the return of Milestone or, or whatever's going on. Again, anything connected to the DC thing, Captain, it's always in and out, in and out. It's never clear. Something that, be, that should be so easy – and that is so desirable, all of a sudden, it falters, we don't know what's up, it goes, it goes to the side, I, it, no one knows what the hell is going on. You know, Milestone Media, they, they made this announcement a couple of years ago, there was a great deal of, of enthusiasm about this return, and now, you know, uh, Dwayne McDuffie's widow, allegedly she wasn't brought in on this thing. So there may or may not be some chicanery going on or some misunderstandings. There's some legalities going on, uh, so, sore feelings. Some people were included. Some people were not. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. So hopefully when we're able to have uh, Mr. Hudlin come in, you know, we were working it out uh, behind the scenes, and he said that November he should have some free time to kind of do a, a chat, a tete-a-tete. So I'm looking forward, forward that hopefully he will be able to give us really give us some insight into the, what's going on with this 2.0 venture. And this piece I'm going to write is really like, look, when, when Milestone Media was around in 93, right, one of the things that really hurt Milestone Media, because the, the, the sales were quite respectable as a new product, like the, the, the idea, the idea of this minority imprint did well for a brief moment, but then the sales faltered. And a lot of that had to do with the perception that this was, this was, this was comic books for black people. That was the going, the going statement in all of these retail shops. And many of the, many of the sellers felt that way or took that positioning. Oh, these are, these are comic books for black people. That was a problem. You didn't really have a codified minority comic book blurred movement the way you do now, okay? You didn't have Afronerd Radio. You didn't have uh, Red Shirts Podcast. You didn't have Geek Soul Brother, Blurred Con, the Schomburg Black Comic Book Festival. I mean, it's a whole different world now. You didn't have a $1.4 billion black comic book movie that was the, the, the largest North American box office take for superhero genre movie film, period. It's Black Panther. It's a different day. It is unconscionable that you don't have Milestone coming back in this. If there's ever a time to come back, this is the time. So, Michael Davis has a couple of pieces floating around 
And one I saw from Bleeding Cool, the great Bleeding Cool website, Bleeding, 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 pardon me, BleedingCool.com, Bleeding, obviously a UK uh, English terminology, it's a UK fan website. And this, this, the, the title of the piece is called Black Rain, R-E-I-G-N, Black Rain. The Secret History of DC Comics Black Superheroes. Now, that was actually the title of a proposal Michael Davis had submitted to Dan Didio at DC. He he had submitted, let me repeat this the title again. Black Rain, The Secret History of DC Comics Black Superheroes. He submitted it like in 2009. He he had he got wishy-washy responses, barely any responses. He admittedly said he was not bugging these people. He kind of let it, let it be known. They seemed to have some interest, and then all of a sudden they didn't have any interest. Okay, Now all of a sudden, John Ridley, who's a terrific screenwriter, who also has Marvel affiliations, he's a comic book guy, excellent writer, screenwriter, 12 Years a Slave and all that stuff. They have him... DC has him involved in kind of a similar idea. Now you see where this is going. Mr. Davis feels a certain kind of way. And um, John Ridley's version is a little softer, where it's multiracial. It's, you know, it's, it's not really clearly a black superhero history thing. I mean, the the... Look, we got about a minute remaining, so unfortunately I can't get into this thing. We'll, we will revisit this. The, the, I would like to hear the uncanny have his thoughts about this thing. I got to get Michael Davis on the show. He can really expound on this. But there's a problem with – and this is like the history of, of comic books too, where there's an idea they say they don't like, and then at some point later on, somebody else, they don't want it with you, but they will take it with somebody else. Michael Davis isn't that guy. So I'm interested. And, I, and again, the secret history of DC Comics Black Superheroes, I would want to see that. A little bit more than what Mr. Ridley is offering. Anyway, people, look. This afternoon at YouTube, we're going to have some clips up shortly. Our IG is on and popping. The Patreon, we need the support. Afternerd.com is going on. Support, 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 support. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. And we hope you appreciate us. Wednesday, 7 p.m., the midweek. It's been real. More Hablet Brown. Keep it low. Wednesday, it's been real. Keep it low.